You're now listening to Sanity at the Movies tomorrow edition. Tomorrow, yes. You're now you're listening to you're now listening to Sanity at the. What am I trying to say? You're now listening to tomorrow's Sanity at the Movies today. <laughs> oh. Hey everybody, Jake tricked us into watching the Tomorrow War, starring Chris Pratt. Which yeah. was revenge for something. What did we do to Jake? We mm. tricked him into watching something. Oh, what was it? Like, we were like, we have to watch this for the podcast. And then Jake watched it, and then we didn't end up doing that podcast or something. Drunken Master. Yes. <laughs> ah, oh, yes. boy. Yes, for our famed episode. One our of the famed great, episode. One of the great moments in podcasting, Ramble in the Bronx. Ramble in the Bronx. So, as revenge for Ramble in the Bronx, Jake suggested while he was on vacation that you and I watch... The Tomorrow War, starring Chris Pratt. And his reasoning was as follows. Even though this movie looks like utter garbage, even though the trailer is so boring that both me and Ben, independent of each other, attempted to watch it and turned <laughs> off the trailer. It's true. It's, it's, you could make a better trailer out of this movie, just to be fair. Definitely. They, 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 it's almost like the person that cut the trailer hated the movie or something like that. It is a exceptionally <laughs> generic and boring trailer. Yes, it is. But in any case, me and Ben could not make it through this trailer and the reason that we decided to do this movie was because i guess according to jake it's getting some press in kind of conservative christian Mm -hmm. circles Mm -hmm. let me just i think this is in our slack here so i'll just take you through it jake's like all the christians on my feed are like it's so wholesome it's based on it's so based I don't know what he meant to say there. There is based slang for something. In- I, I have no idea. It's so wholesome. It's a beautiful depiction of masculinity and reconciliation and fatherhood. This is what I want lore TV to be. This is the art Christians should be making. Chris Pratt is my hero. And then Jake says, I'm not even exaggerating. And he links to some screenshots of, for example, one gentleman on Twitter saying, Guys, I just saw The Tomorrow War, and I haven't felt that way watching a science fiction movie since Independence Day or Jurassic Park. It's a beautiful picture of biblical manhood, reconciliation, and fatherhood. Chris Pratt is my hero. (sighs) So that's one, and then there was this other one. Just watch The Tomorrow War on Prime. Turns out it was produced by Chris Pratt as well as starring him. It's surprisingly good and wholesome. Turn that one up a few more points on the based scale. I guess based is a thing. Oh, or no, hold on. Bassid? <laughs> Am I saying it wrong? No, there must be, it must be some kind of typo, but what could it be? Based slang. Okay. I have no idea. Based is a slang term that originally meant to be addicted to crack cocaine, but was reclaimed by rapper Lil B for being yourself and not caring what others think of you. So I guess if this movie didn't, if this huh. movie cared less what people thought of it. I... And that's what makes me excited about lore TV. Based means being yourself, not being scared of what people think about you. Huh. Okay. So okay. this guy's saying this movie was great. Maybe give it, turn it up a few more points so that it's even less concerned about what people think of it. Yeah, people would. Okay. It would be. All right. Okay. I'm, go- I'm just going to go ahead and say I disagree with those takes. Yeah. 1,000%. This movie is in no way anything that... I mean, it, 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 it's just fine, whatever. It's, it's not, I, w- I wouldn't say it's an evil movie or anything like that, but no. it's, it's not a, a new rallying cry for conservative filmmaking. 
nor does no. Chris Pratt strike me as any kind of legitimate Christian or anyone to emulate. He certainly allows lots of blaspheming of God's name and other vulgarity into his movie, if nothing else, which is not mm-hmm. something that I actually, that I hope Laura TV will be all that interested in doing. Mm-hmm. So if this is the standard for Laura TV, then I, that would be a very sad state of affairs for Laura TV mm-hmm. because this is not, let's just get this out of the way. The entire reason that me and Ben had to sit through this thing was to see if they actually snuck a Christian conservative movie past big Hollywood. My friends, uh, they did not. They did not. I mean, they they snuck a pretty pro-dad movie or whatever, I guess. Yeah, but no. whatever. We can't be so insecure about our value system that anything that smacks of fatherhood or masculinity or anything like that, we're, we're, we're just going to roll out the red carpet. Like, yay, somebody likes fatherhood. We can't be so insecure. There's fatherhood's actually built into the universe. It's who God is and it's who he made men to be. It's pretty inescapable, even in bad schlocky movies. Even in Wonder Woman 1984 had a nice little subplot where the Mandalorian reconnected with his daughter. So, Hmm. yeah, I, I award this movie absolutely no points for having the theme of fatherhood or the theme of reconciliation. That just means that Hollywood... And Chris Pratt exist in a world where they still want to make movies that are somewhat entertaining and therefore they have to draw on things that God built into the universe. They get, they get zero points. Zero I mean, points. Would you like to argue oh, for a few points? Would you like to be more generous? I, I, it, did, it did have a couple of things in the second act that made me cry. It's not that I really wanted to cry. I just did. Oh, me too. I mean, father, look, I just, I just had a, a daughter. So, it, it's, the movie's all about like... Father-daughter. Father-daughter stuff. So. A la Interstellar, right? Yeah, Basically. a la very Interstellar. Yeah. And, In- including the Boom Boom soundtrack. Yeah. Or the Rumble Rumble soundtrack, I guess. Well, I think, by the way, this, this conversation may be somewhat scattershot, but I think, by the way... An easy way to, if, if you want to have a father story, but you don't want this, the evil Hollywood people to be like, we need to be more progressive. Father-daughter story is a pretty good way to do that because that way you can have a strong, independent female lead who's sort of being mentored or held up by the father figure. And the, the actual brave, the actual based choice would be to be to tell a father-son story but they weren't going to do that because they're a bunch of lily-livered hollywood cowards that wouldn't know actual morality if it hit them in the face Hmm. so yeah Uh, christians uh, those tweets are dumb i mean i'm sorry i didn't say who they were and maybe people can figure it out but those i i just think i just think that's dumb it makes me kind of mad like we can't be so insecure about god's truth that we're just willing to be like yay Someone made a movie with one molecule, one diluted molecule that you could maybe look under a 9,000 volt microscope and see that there was some truth in it. I mean, if it, if it had some profoundly good writing about fatherhood and stuff, you give it it more points. But the fact is the writing in this movie is mostly mediocre. No, it's mostly like, look over there. And right. I mean, it it ranges from, it ranges from bad to mediocre with, with a few good moments. Mm -hmm. And, and and the craft of the filmmaking is only pretty good. Mm-hmm. And of all the acting, Chris Pratt might be the worst yeah. in the movie. Actually, like he's not he's not good in this movie. Yeah, no, he has a early to mid career Keanu thing going on where he thinks squinting 
equates to whoa. acting into emotion. Looking around, like, whoa. So he, he basically just goes through the movie because he's in serious Pratt mode, which is one of the worst Pratt modes. I mean, I'm not big mm-hmm. comedy Pratt either, but he, he just looks constipated the whole time because that's how he, he does like, oh, I really care about my daughter. He kind of pinches his eyes in yeah. and tenses his body. Yep. He just goes through the whole movie with a constipated face and yeah. it's not particularly charming yeah. or endearing or anything. Yeah. I mean, also, okay, if this is a movie about fatherhood, then it's a movie about how good fathers raise their daughters to be their commanders in the army. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, let's just take it all away. You take this movie seriously, fine. Good dads should tell their daughters to be colonels. Mm-hmm. Good dads should tell their daughters to be words I'm not going to say on this podcast. Good dads should teach their daughters to like trample be, trample on the boys on their way up the ladder wherever. To be, to be men. Yeah. Well, and good dads should uh, teach their daughters to... I just completely lost my train of thought. Good dads... Maybe if I just say the same phrase again, the thought will occur to me. <laughs> maybe. Good dads should teach their daughters to... Nope. It's gone. It's Sorry, gone. folks. Just like... Uh, maybe it'll come back. Yeah, maybe it'll come back. Maybe. Yeah. <sighs> and I don't know. It, except for a few good scenes in the second act or whatever, it's mostly, I don't know. I don't know. It's not high quality drama. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, and it's pretty cheap. And you have you have an actor, the, the, the girl who plays his daughter when mm-hmm. she's grown up and in charge of all the men, who's better than this material. And if you think about her, or any of the major plot points of this movie too much, if you think of her as the kernel of the whole rest of armed humanity, then actually she's not good at that role because they don't ever show her playing that role because she doesn't command squat. What she does is emote with her dad Mm. and do some lab stuff and shoot guns. Right. But she does not, the movie doesn't, doesn't even give you context for her being the you know the all-powerful hard-nosed remaining kernel of remaining humanity anyway it just it's not a very good movie it's not very well thought out the drama is not that well thought out it's very cheap everything about it is all all the writing all the thinking is cheap there's there's only some acting that's not cheap and it's not chris pratt's acting right i don't know what i don't know how to say it but it's just like these are just cobbled together bits of been there done that with a little good acting a fun good monster design which we can talk about mm-hmm. and some pretty cool action scenes yeah well so uh, let's take a step back if, if people don't know what we're talking about which presumably in six months they won't because nobody will remember this there was mm-hmm. in 2021 a movie called the tomorrow war Starring Chris Pratt. It was meant for theatrical release, but Amazon scooped it up in the midst of the COVID p- pandemic, if you remember that. And so the movie did not get a big theatrical release, but it was quite pro- popular on streaming because Pratt is one of a handful of people that can still just command an audience. Like he's, he's a real old school star of whom we have less and less and less where people will see a thing just because Chris Pratt's in it. Mm-hmm. That's a guarantee of entertainment and so this was a sci-fi dystopian military shoot 'em up kind of alien shoot 'em up action mm-hmm. movie that everybody streamed and it was like the biggest streaming thing in all the world when uh-huh. it came out people streamed to it <laughs> people streamed <laughs> to it exactly 
It was directed, once again, I'm laying all this pipe for, because this podcast is going to last longer than this movie. Mm. That's, that's what I'm relying on here <laughs> in people's memories. People uh, want to listen to this podcast. They'll be like, what was the Tomorrow War? Is that some art film that Nathan and Ben want to <laughs> recommend to me? <laughs> no. No. It's directed by a gentleman named Christopher McKay, Chris McKay, who co-directed the animation on the Lego movie and made his feature film directorial debut with the Lego Batman movie. So you'd think a very clever, subversive guy from the yeah. Phil Lord, Chris Miller school of schlocky meta mm-hmm. action stuff. But based on this, a very self-serious. Not deep, so clever. Not so clever. Generic kind of. Meta schlocky action stuff. I mean, it's, yeah. I guess not even meta, is it? There's not much that's meta. I mean, there's a couple little moments and, you know. There's a couple lines, you know, when they're, when they're first looking out over the, the dystopian landscape destroyed by aliens. What does the comic relief character say? Uh, Will it's, Smith should be here. It's, it's too bad Will Smith didn't live to see this. You right. Know. Yeah, th- there's, there's stuff like that. <laughs> that's but pretty, that's, that's just, silly. You, you can't make a movie without having a sprinkling of, of that kind of meta commentary. It doesn't really amount yeah. to having any kind yeah. of metatextual point of view on the material. This is a very generic and old-fashioned kind of a story. So for people who don't know, for for the future, we're making this podcast for future generations who mm-hmm. want to remember this little remembered pop culture artifact. The story is is a schlocky time travel story where, uh, I don't know, Ben, why don't you explain the premise of this movie? Oh, fine. Everyone, is, humanity is shocked. I think I'm just, I'm just almost quoting the whatever marketing material. Mm-hmm. Humanity is shocked when army people arrive from the future and say, you know, 30 years from now, humanity is almost extinct. We're fighting alien monsters and we need to recruit you, our parents and grandparents, to come into the back to the future with us mm-hmm. and fight these monsters because everyone's almost dead and you're our only hope. We don't have enough people left to fight in this war. And then, you know, that happens and you get, you get a quick... You get a quick series of badly done newsreel flashes and use of dumb, dumb, clunky use of stock footage. Exceptionally bad. Your average Hollywood movie is is, is better at this kind of thing. Oh, my. Oh, man. And just like, you know, newscasters saying important things about how the world has changed, which you can pull off well. It's fine. It's a trope. But this was just boring and dumb. And not believable. Yeah, really boring and dumb. And the news doesn't really look like real news. This movie had some of the cheesiest and worst really just bad tv movie style table setting that i think i've ever seen in a movie intended for theatrical release it's hard for me to imagine this in theatrical release it just does not feel like it's professional enough yeah you almost wonder if they didn't they covid hit at the right time that they just didn't finish it or didn't you know they they didn't have the money to quite put the finishing touches on some things because something there's some stuff that's just very very lame it's pretty lame. And so, whatever, that happens, the world changes, people start getting drafted, and then, shockingly, Chris Pratt is drafted, and mm-hmm. his wife is tearful, and he's going to have to leave their nine-year-old girl behind, and and he he talks some with his estranged dad, just to, just to tell you that, hey, there is an estranged dad, and Chris Pratt's not going to forgive him for the things that he did. The Strange Dad, by the way, played by the great J.K. Simmons. Who's awesome and who elevates this stuff. He is very much wasted by the movie, but also J.K. Simmons is just always fun to watch. So he's a lot he, of fun. He, he brings a lot of charm to a nothing part. 
Yeah. yeah. Nothing dialogue. Yeah. And yeah. And then Chris Pratt goes into the future. Mm-hmm. And there's a terrible accident, and they get dropped from way high up onto some skyscrapers. And when they're get teleported into the future, and and then they then they some of them survive and survive this big city monster hunt chase action scene, which is pretty fun. And they meet the commanding officer of of at least the armies of the United States, I guess. And it's it's his daughter. It's Chris Pratt's daughter. And the movie doesn't try to hide that from you to its credit. It just it just. Like it tells you very quickly. Mm-hmm. This is this is not a secret. This is you know I'm your daughter, and you realize that the daughter like there's something. Chris Pratt must have done something wrong in the past because the doctor the daughter acts a little strange. Well, and if, I guess if you wanted to watch this movie, this would be the place to stop listening to the podcast because we'll we'll get into it more. But basically, then a bunch of generic stuff happens that is exactly what you'd expect. So the daughter's like, mm-hmm. you aren't a good dad and you left us for some reason that's not really established in the movie besides we know that you wanted a little bit more for your life. And I mean, I feel like the idea was supposed to be that Chris Pratt just followed in his own dad's footsteps. His dad was a war vet who, we learned this in backstory stuff, a war vet who, because of the trauma of war, left his family because he didn't know how to deal with his anger and violence. Right. And the idea seems to be Chris Pratt would be the same thing coming back from this brutal, his brutal stint in the Tomorrow War. He would leave his family because stuff. But in her timeline, wasn't it before the Tomorrow, like the Tomorrow War didn't happen, actually? No. No, no, that's that's not it. It's it's like he came back from, this is my remembrance of what they what she said, he came back from a stint in the war. And was not able to deal emotionally with his family, so he left them. And so she grew up into this do-it-yourself colonel person, I guess. Well, there were certain neurons in my brain that I just never fired up because I didn't think that the movie deserved them. So right. it's possible that you captured more of the plot than I did. I think so. I think, I think, and I think I'll give the movie that much credit, you know. It, it has a little bit of it, dramatic structure or whatever. I want to at least allow for the possibility that... There's a timeline where for no particular reason that the movie cares to explain Chris Pratt just went bad and... Uh, I don't think so. The movie's that sloppy, though. You'll give me that. It is it's, sloppy. It's that sloppy it in other sloppy. places. Yeah. Uh, although we were making fun of but its, its time travel conceit and then it, it managed to yeah, close some loops there. But, but, it, but it's sloppy in the color by numbers way. It's at least going to put out the piece that you color by numbers, right. you know? So I, I think that I'm right. Yeah. Yeah, you could be. Either way, it's pretty generic and it's pretty generic it's 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 actually though you begin to see why this movie got made in the first place you begin to imagine the pitch where the screenwriter or whoever went in and said said to the executives i want to make this movie and what he no doubt said is let's make aliens or independence day meets it's a wonderful life Mm -hmm. which is an awesome conceit actually so Mm -hmm. chris pratt basically gets to see one version of his life through all the time travel mechanics Mm -hmm. and then he gets to do it better Right, and but all within the schlocky shoot 'em up aliens are going to eat us. Yeah, genre, and I think that's yeah. a pretty fun combo. Actually, yeah, like that's pretty I, fun. I can imagine a really great and moving and fun action movie mm-hmm. made with those basic materials. Yeah, and this movie, even like if we were to just describe its plot, you could imagine a really good version of that plot, but it just doesn't have the imagination. Or the willingness to actually ask real questions of its characters or write real dialogue or, no. if, or, or, or just even have fun with. The one place, as you alluded to earlier, where it does have fun is with the action scenes. And yeah. I had fun with the action scenes. I thought the action scenes were a lot of fun. I was expecting these aliens to be very generic because 
I really don't think anyone's designed a good alien since H.R. Geiger in the Sigourney Weaver alien hmm. movies. That's a wonderful alien. But so much of what we've seen since then has just been, ah, it's another slimy kind of insect creature. Right. And so you have various kinds of slimy insect creatures. You have the Independence Day alien, which is a pretty blatant one-to-one ripoff, but it's pretty well done. Mm-hmm. And then you have just boring, boring aliens like the ones in Quiet Place. And I would say these aliens, while still follow, following them, you also have all the bad al- shoot 'em up aliens in Marvel movies. Oh, yeah. So boring. So boring. The, the army that Loki brings in Avengers Thanos 1. And, oh, those guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and then the Thanos ones are even more boring. Those are just like alien dogs or something, but they're pretty boring. Yeah. Marvel has had at least two, maybe three or four examples of here's the enemy soldiers, and they're just kind of slimy, boring alien creatures uh-huh. that we can kill without feeling bad. And these aliens threatened, I thought were going to be that boring. But they do just enough to distinguish them, actually. They're white, and they have these creepy skull, red skull faces, and they move a little bit more like cats. They're, mm-hmm. they're a little bit more graceful. and They have these tentacle things that shoot spikes. and Yeah. I actually thought the aliens were fun. And anytime anybody was shooting an alien or putting a saw to an alien or putting a pickaxe <laughs> in an alien or throwing a grenade at an alien, I was having a lot of fun yeah. with this movie. Yeah. And if you like seeing... Aliens get shot or pickaxed <laughs> or saw. There's plenty of alien gore. There's plenty of that kind of thing. That doesn't really, I don't like gore, but it doesn't really bother me because it's aliens. Yeah, it's just like green goop. Yeah, like basically. Killing it's, a big insect it, it, or something. Yeah, that's right. It's like killing bugs. So if, if, if you enjoy that kind of thing, I think, and you're willing to just completely shut off your brain and sit through some pretty boring and contrived family drama stuff you can you can have fun with this movie i actually had a lot of fun with this movie mm-hmm. it was fun i mean it was a good movie to watch with friends you know i'm glad me and ben actually watched this one together and got to laugh at it together instead of the deadly evening, oh, no. evening wasted with our wives individually watching this movie no 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 you could you could throw this on at a sleepover or a party or something like that and absolutely have have fun with it yeah and maybe a certain generation of it will remember it with the same fondness that I remember Independence Day. Although I doubt it because it seems to me, maybe it's just nostalgia, but it seems to me that Independence Day for all its schlockiness and all its obviousness was a much better constructed story. It's much better schlock. Story. Yeah. It much, yeah, it's much better schlock. Yeah. It just sets up clear character beats and funny, likable characters. I mean, I think, I think that I would absolutely hate Independence Day if I had to go back and watch it now. I just don't know if I could do it. But... Mm-hmm. I think we probably have to do it for this very podcast at some point. Oh, no. Which would be interesting. Oh, I don't think it will be, (laughs) actually. But but sure, maybe we will. Well, yeah. For what this is, and for the generation of 13-year-old boys who will like it, it's, well, I don't know. It's not as good as Independence Day was for us. Well... I wish it was simpler, actually. Like, let's let's just strip away some of the fake emotion that's not going to land. Although again, because of the time of my life, I'm I'm I'm, just, I'm soft enough touch with father daughter stuff and just mm-hmm. father stuff in general that this movie did get me. But that doesn't mean that it earned it, and it doesn't mean I was happy that it got me. <laughs> yeah, but I'd say strip away that stuff, just make a simple alien shoot 'em up that just got to the action scenes quicker and got it all done in ninety to a hundred minutes instead of the interminable two hours and 14 minutes of this movie this movie has like a full the way it's set up there's like the end and then it revs back up for a third act like it basically has a three-act structure but then there's a fourth act that's actually the real third act and it's just i i thought that so what wait first act was just the just 
just the whole setup for him going into the war. So if this was just a simple schlocky 90 minute alien shoot 'em up, then I think yeah. it would work. Part one is setup. Part two is the city fight and everything that kind of introduces him to mm-hmm. his daughter and the problem. And then part three is we've solved this problem. They're attacking our base. We need to kill the queen, you know, and a movie. And so this movie does all of that. And then Chris Pratt, spoiler alert, makes it back to the original timeline. Yeah. And then has to gear up, build a team, go right. fight the aliens. Well, again, that, that, that second slash second third act is the best part of the movie. Yeah. It's the, it's the most interesting. It has the best parts of dialogue and acting because of his grown up daughter. The stuff yeah. that lands emotionally, the stuff that you're like, oh, yeah, I could see this being a good movie. Mm-hmm. Even if in someone's hands who was a genius, it could either be what Nathan said, the 90-minute schlock fest, or it could be like, okay, you have an emotional heart mm-hmm. and you can make it work. And if someone knew how to streamline it, you could actually have a third act that was fun. Oh, yeah. Like you, like, like you, could, you could have a second act with all that buildup and you could re- make the audience feel like all that buildup and letdown was totally deliberate. Right. And like... Now we want the rest of the movie and you'd feel like, oh, we get the rest of the movie instead of like, oh man, we get 40 more minutes of movie. Oh my goodness. Well, the template for these kinds of movies, the ultimate sort of thing that all these movies are referencing on is James Cameron's Aliens. And that is a movie that does that sort of thing very well. It's like, she's made it out, but then she has to go back for the little girl and then the (laughs) the queen's going to come out, you know. Yeah. But that just feels like a good roller coaster ride where it's like, oh, we thought we were slowing down, but oh no, we're going up this other hill, you know. I mean, that's that's just like the the 80s action movie formula that you can do really well. Yep. But these days, it all feels so formless. Like, it just feels like we're being pummeled. Like, Like, any given moment could be the climax and for some reason this one is <sighs> that said there's a really fun action scene in the city when chris pratt first shows up yep and then there's another fun action scene with some helicopters and then there's a really fun ending kind of boss battle with the alien queen and you get to see jk simmons and chris pratt uh, double team a <laughs> big alien monster and it's a lot of fun it's fun so, just as like a totally brainless action movie, I enjoyed this. I, I wish it, as we've already said, I wish it either had a, had an actual brain or didn't think it had a brain and was willing to just be brainless and quick. But instead, it tried to kind of split the difference and failed. <laughs> Boy, did it. What else is there to say about this thing? Oh, I don't know. It's clumsy on so many levels. Just, I don't know. We we always talk about setup and payoff and things like that in an action scene. Mm -hmm. If you want to see a movie that doesn't particularly do that well, so that you you can begin to maybe by by seeing the bad example, begin to understand what we're talking about, watch this movie. There's any number of moments where there's things that just kind of happen. Like, for example, Chris Pratt's friend has a saw Mm -hmm. all of a sudden. I'm not sure where that saw came from. I don't know where it came from. And it's so much more satisfying if it's like, we have a saw. And then the saw comes back and, oh, he's using the saw. Like, that's right. that's classic filmmaking. But this is more just like, another thing is happening. He's got a saw. There's, yeah. just, a, there's, there's a lot of stuff like that where you're like, oh, he has this device or, oh, this person got killed or, oh, this person is still alive where you're just like kind of confused because they haven't really built. They're not doing visual storytelling during the action beats. Mm. 
Yeah. Yep. We've often discussed the Bourne movies and whether they were good or bad for cinema and whether they were good or bad in and of themselves. One thing mm-hmm. you cannot accuse them of not doing is, or let me say that less confusingly, the Bourne movies, whether you like their chaotic style or not, they do tell a story within that style. That's right. And you do know what's happening with the story. You know who's alive, who's dead, who's trying to do what, when. You may not always understand the details of everything. Right. But you have a big picture. This movie is actually much easier to follow in terms of its visual style. style. Its visual style but it's it's less easy to follow because the director is not actually feeding you information when and where you need it in order to understand what's going on. There was any number of times where our group was like, oh, is that person still alive? Or did that person just die? Or yeah, why is she sacrificing herself? Oh, it's because, you know. She got she got hurt. So right. yeah. you, could, you could usually piece it together and one person would have noticed one thing, but we weren't all just being swept along no. by a filmmaker who knew what he was doing. Nope. Yep. And then even individual things are just not, I don't know, scene, scene to scene. There's any number of clumsy choices or mm-hmm. or just boring choices that this director makes. Right. Whether it's, here's this side character with, with a dark outlook on life who's going to be redeemed and sacrifice himself in the end. And mm-hmm. it's not going to be that interesting, actually. Right. And, and, and even, there's, there's unforgivable clumsiness at the level of, giving you a sense of that that all that all that's happening in the movie this whole future war operation is under someone's command and being carried out in any way that makes sense and in any way that anyone could follow right whether they're on the inside or the outside and you never ever are given the sense that there's a clear chain of command that the world's governments are working together which the movie says is happening but it's so stupid it's Mm. just like you don't believe that any of this is happening you don't believe that that the present world is really being torn apart by all these people going to die in a future war. You don't really believe in the tomorrow world having some having some clear world command center. Mm-hmm. You're never shown anything like that. It's just a bunch of Americans running around and women bossing everyone around and who's actually in charge and who's doing what and I don't know. It's just it's just stupid. It just doesn't give you any context for anything. The only thing that there really is is action hero Chris Pratt and whoever he happens to be with. And that's all that you ever believe is really happening. Mm-hmm. So, fail movie. Big fail. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a bad movie. It's a bad movie. I mean again, I'm sorry, but shame on the Christians who liked this because it had one diluted diluted iota of something that vaguely corresponded to something that they think might be a value that they have. I mean, schla- laziness is something that the scripture doesn't have a lot of patience for. This movie evinces and evokes laziness all over the place. In other words, we don't forgive bad art just because it has good values. We also don't think that something has good values just because it nods its head once or twice at a value that we happen to like. While kind of spitting all over a lot of, I, I, I don't, I'm using the word values, by the way, kind of sarcastically. It's a stupid, meaningless word. It's been neutered by our current society, but you know what I mean. Morals, ethics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Chris Pratt is the slimiest of them all. I really can't stand that guy because he's got this brand as kind of, you know, he's the conservative Christian in Hollywood. <laughs> Right. He makes things for a family audience. And if all you had was 
he allows God's name to be blasphemed any number of times in his fun alien shoot 'em up movie. If that was the only thing you had, I still think that would be enough to say, oh, okay, well, this guy doesn't care about the things of God. That's just his brand. Yeah. But you all have a lot more than that, you know? I mean, he apparently doesn't have any problem with feminism and with women bossing everybody around in his movies, just ad nauseum, just so boringly and overwhelmingly and and stupidly. Well, let's also just real quick talk about the missing dramatic part of the movie, Mm -hmm. which is ostensibly, this is a movie. I mean, the main plot heart is obviously, or the main tension is, can the humans beat the aliens in this future war? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you've got, you've got a setup of this family with an estranged dad, Chris Pratt's estranged dad. And then you've got, you've got no showing, but only telling about Chris Pratt's central dramatic failure. Mm-hmm. That's off screen. It's not anywhere in the script except as telling. His daughter tells him one day, you will fail me and mom and leave us and abandon us. And so it's like, Chris Pratt seems like a pretty good dad and husband. He goes to the future. He's told that one day, he's not going to be that. Mm-hmm. He decides not to be that. You never see him be that. Yay, fatherhood redeemed. Right. No, you didn't tell me the story of anything about fatherhood redeemed. You just told me the story of an okay dad who kept being kind of an okay, clueless dad. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all that you did. And you gestured towards this idea of the failures of fatherhood, which is a deep subject. And, and, you, and you get the only emotional payoff of any kind you get is through J.K. Simmons acting. But mm-hmm. even that is not enough. Actually, there's no emotional payoff for that at all. There's zero. J.K. Simmons is simply fun. He has a a backstory of being a dad who abandoned his sons for a movie that actually talks about a, f- a failed father who stunk and who gets some redemption. See Warrior, mm-hmm. a much better movie with plenty of objectionable language and stuff. But wonderful movie though. Wonderful movie. It will make you cry if you if you're not a cold person with the heart of stone. And, uh, and we, it, we were sobbing. I mean, it was a very very powerful. It, movie. it earns it. It's a movie about father uh, fa- fathers and brothers. And it does a really good job of capturing masculinity and men's temptations to abandon their responsibility in a family and what it takes to bring them back. And there's all kinds of stuff that it actually does in the script and shows you and makes you feel this movie is just like, here, placeholder for that stuff. Mm-hmm. Family values. I'm your dude. Let's shoot some aliens. Let's not think too hard about whether or not I ever portrayed either fatherhood or its failures. And the fact is, Chris Pratt. You didn't portray either for me in this movie, not either one. Well, one thing where I think people are far too quick in the Christian world to award points is, how do I explain this? So if if somebody said they loved pizza, they supported pizza, they thought pizza was great, but then their definition of pizza was a bunch of carrots on a bed of cabbage, we would not think that however much this person talked about pizza, their definition of Pizza differs <laughs> from what we know pizza to be. Uh-huh. So we do not think of this person as pro-pizza. If a movie is all about, yay, fatherhood, but it doesn't actually know what a father is or what a father does, then it's not pro-fatherhood. And here's what this movie, here's what dads do. Uh, dads say no. Dads have authority. And this movie doesn't even nod to that. It doesn't even nod, It's not Chris Pratt needs to get his act together so that he can love and discipline his daughter it's yeah he just sort of needs to support her dreams it's the same plot as like a cheaper by the dozen you know steve martin needs to show up for the family you know the kid when he's performing 
at the school dance or whatever. Steve Martin needs to be there. He needs to not worry so much about his job. This, this movie, same things. Like dads should be there. That that's about as deep as it goes. Dads are if, if you were going to define fatherhood based on like if, if you were an alien and you were all you had to go on was this movie, what would you think a dad was? I submit to you, Ben and dear listener, that you would not be able to piece together a good working definition of fatherhood based on anything that you see in movie. Yeah, maybe that's not fair. You'd see it's a guy that sacrifices, a guy that yeah. should be there for you. Mm-hmm. That's not enough. That's not, you know, to use my pizza analogy, we haven't gotten to cheese and tomato and dough yet. We haven't gotten into uh-huh. the meat of, right. of what fathers do. And so it is super lame for Christians to be like, Chris Pratt said the word fatherhood and said, fatherhood is good. And so, yay, we like that too. Are you defining it the same way that Chris Pratt and his team of Hollywood hacks is defining it? No, you shouldn't. I mean, if you are, then your idea of fatherhood is completely neutered and you need to rethink it. But if you're not, like you shouldn't be, then this movie is not going to feed your soul in the way that you are proclaiming on Twitter that it does. Well, it kind of makes me wish that we were, that this episode was just a double feature with Mitchell's versus the Machines, another movie about a father-daughter combo saving the world mm-hmm. in a kind of a apocalyptic showdown, in this case, between them and robots. No right. time travel involved. And Mitchell's versus the Machines is a more evil movie. It's also much better made. Mm-hmm. And it is a kid's movie well, that your kids should Miller, not right? watch. Yeah, so that's right. Same Same team. Same, same, yeah, part of the same team. And it's, 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 it's very well animated. It's very well put together. It's clever. I, I mean, I'm not saying I, I enjoyed it some at least, mm-hmm. just in that way. And it's also, and it's, it's even uglier, but it's a, it's a much more explicit moral about, you know what, dad, what you're not doing is supporting my dreams. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're here to do. And in that movie, the daughter, it comes out in the script that, ha see what I did there, that the daughter <laughs> yes. is like, is, is a lesbian, which she's, oh, what word did I, did I, she's coded mm. lesbian at the beginning of the movie. And they make you wonder just a little, like, are we saying she's a lesbian? Then at the end of the movie, you hear about her girlfriend at college. But by that point, her dad has already signed on to everything that she is. And he's supporting her just like he ought to have the whole time. Mm. And he's not being a fool like he was. By not supporting her. And so this movie isn't this movie isn't quite that level of explicit let's support our daughter's evil and call it good. No, but I think the same assumptions The same assumptions go into it. it. Yeah, the same framework is there. That's right. It's just a more neutered friend family friendly version, which is That's all right. Chris Pratt does is take things that are evil or themes that are otherwise anemic and present a version that's watered down enough that it can have supposed mass appeal. Yep. But I mean, really, honestly, just a decadent Hollywood jerk. I have so much more respect for, you know, Jack Nicholson, you always knew he was just (laughs) the devil. (laughs) He was just, he just had a big grin on his face because he loved to sin. And that's not a good thing. Hollywood is a, is a wicked place in many ways, but at least you knew where you stood with some of these guys. Chris Pratt is such a piece of slime. I mean, the more well, I think about him, he, he is yeah. such a liar. You're making me hate him. Yeah. I mean, I just, I did, <laughs> just to correlate this a little bit more, listener, I, there's this scene where Chris Pratt goes in to get tested for his candidacy as a soldier for the future war. And 
take off your shirt, you know. And so, of course, he has to take off his shirt and right. show off his bulging muscles. And, okay, it's not family-friendly, actually. Mm-hmm. That is not family-friendly right. as it happens. That's just normal Hollywood using sex appeal to sell your movie. Mm-hmm. That's all. And someone who was godly and concerned about fatherhood would know that that was not honoring God or displaying fatherhood. Mm-hmm. Right? Is that that hard to understand? Yeah. Someone who was godly and honoring fatherhood would know that just the optics of having a bunch of women yelling at men and being the drill sergeant characters throughout the movie and having the one sort of male authority figure be this really cheap portrait that's only barely sketched in of of a venal bureaucrat that lies to the public. Right. That's not supporting the cause of fatherhood. It's not that you can't tell complicated stories about sinners and broken people and all <laughs> that, but we haven't even begun to really establish that there is such a thing as fatherhood in the tomorrow verse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I mean, it's just... Well, and there's something... We talked about this a little bit in our epic Ramble in the Bronx episode that everyone should be listening to. Mm-hmm. Right now, and I'm sure across the world, there are many people listening to Ramble in the Bronx, even as we speak, and being inspired, moved, and informed by it. Probably. But we talked about Jackie Chan always plays such a likable, lovable buffoon of a man who is innocent, basically. Mm -hmm. And then he's the producer of the movie, and he always makes sure to include some smut and some bad guys who are sexually motivated and some girls that are getting their clothes ripped off or uh, whatever it is. And you realize, mm-hmm. oh, Jackie Chan's actually not a nice, innocent guy. Mm-mm. If he's no, letting, no, if he has no. control over these movies and A, if he's willing to star in them, even if he doesn't have control, B, if, as we know, he's a producer on these things and has a lot of control. It's like, oh no, he just plays that character because it's attractive for him to play that character. But mm-hmm. he's, he's, just as monstrous as anybody. Chris Pratt, exact same thing. He appears in these depraved Guardians of the Galaxy movies. He appears in... Jurassic World, Jurassic, Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. And it's like, he's surrounded by things that do not honor God, over which he has plenty of control. And then his character kind of is innocent. And right. it's like, no, you're, how dumb are we? Pretty uh, dumb. Pretty dumb. Pretty dumb. Because, <laughs> I am. Because people do... Well, humanity has embraced Pratt as something of a conservative hero, I think, which is just ridiculous. I mean, he abandoned the wife of his... Here, I was willing to go out on a limb with Pratt and say maybe he means it when he was still with Anna Ferris, the wife of his youth. I, I'm always willing to... The one thing that a Hollywood celebrity or a celebrity of any kind can do to impress me is stay with their first wife. It's, 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 one, it's one reason why I always want to cut Stephen King a little slack. Because he's still with his wife of 50 hmm. years or something, 60 years. I'm I'm always impressed by that. It's kind of sad, I guess, that I would be impressed by... They did the basically hum, human and decent thing. But I am. I'm always willing to say, okay, maybe that person actually has some of the decency that they put up on screen if they're a one-woman man. But Chris Pratt's not that. He, he's divorced and, you know, turned his wife in for a younger model. So, am I portraying their relationship, the relationship between Pratt and Anna Ferris, with all the nuance that it probably deserved? No, but I don't care. I don't care. Mm. And so, 
I just don't have any respect for this guy at all. <sighs> and I don't think that you should either, listener. And I say that as someone who, as an adult that enjoys such things, does have a certain begrudging respect for Guardians of the Galaxy films and the artistry that goes into them. The perverse genius of James Gunn is, yeah. is, has an element of real genius to it, but it also has a lot of perversity to it. James Gunn also managed to get a much better performance out of Chris Pratt in those movies than this Chris McKay gets out of him in this movie. Chris Pratt's very bad in this movie. He's, he's particularly, like, really bad. Yeah, he just looks constipated the whole time, like I said. Like, he's he's just... I mean, he does... I will say this, in, in all fairness, Chris Pratt does have a movie star quality. He is, even in a bad performance, very watchable. He's mm -hmm. not a zero on the screen. He draws yeah. your attention. And that is ultimately the one thing that you need from a hero i mean you, ideally you need a lot more in a movie like this but yeah chris pratt does have whatever that charisma is whatever that x factor is that makes a movie star he does have that so he, he's not without a certain god-given talent or something like that like yeah he, he is able to anchor this movie but also as he anchors it he's pretty he's pretty boring you know i i feel a little curious now i don't know if i'm curious enough to ever watch this there's another father-daughter time travel movie mm -hmm. that came out in the past year that was actually, I heard, was supposed to be good. And I don't know if it was actually good, but Bill and Ted 3. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and I, I, I know that I would like watching Keanu Reeves do this kind of stuff right. more than Chris Pratt. I, I mean, I always enjoyed the Bill and Ted movies back in the day, so I have been tempted to watch that. But mm -hmm. it's never appeared on any streaming platform yeah. that I subscribe to or anything like that. Oh, <sighs> well... Maybe someday, maybe not. When a movie that you're watching makes you long for Bill and Ted, <laughs> then that movie is not not doing very good. Its job, no. I don't know. Maybe Indeed not. Is there anything else to say? I, I I feel bad even giving this movie that much time. Like here we are. We we knew it was going to be bad. We watched it. It was bad, and well, we're here to report to you. I don't know. This uh, this show is this episode has been more about the way that conservative people need to stop buying into hype like this mm -hmm. that's really what it's about it's not so much about this movie i don't think as it is about like people think about who chris pratt is think about the messaging of the movie think about whether it actually shows you anything that you th that you're happy it tells you it's showing you right you know be be, be concerned on some level about i mean for for a piece of art of any kind to have a decent message it has to be well made enough to have that message mm -hmm. for one thing but then it also just has to actually have that message <laughs> right and so neither on the level of quality craftsmanship nor on the level of the actual message of the movie does this movie deliver right so what what is there to it except fun scenes of shooting cat bug aliens right which are fun again if you're uh sure watch it for that cynical hipster that's can enjoy it on that level with your friends, then... Uh, just don't be impressed that it was about fathers. Yeah, okay, I just came up with a better metaphor than my... Obviously, probably the greatest metaphor that's ever been put to podcast was my pizza metaphor. <laughs> oh, yeah, but I just I, remembered that you made that metaphor a thing. But but I think I can top it. <laughs> Whoa, you can tap the pizza <laughs> yes, I metaphor. Can, I think I can <laughs> top it. That's pretty great. <laughs> uh, I think I can top it. I think I can top the pizza metaphor. It's Monopoly money, right? They're like, hey... Would you like a thousand bucks? And you're like, sure. And then the pagan Hollywood gives you, Mr. Christian, a thousand bucks of Monopoly money. And then instead of being like, you idiot, this is a counter fraud money. You can't say this is money. We as Christians are sometimes like, hey, 
hey, a thousand bucks. Cool. <laughs> this is morally what this Hey, you like fatherhood, right? Here's some fatherhood. And then they give you fraudulent, fake fatherhood. And we're like, hey, we do like fatherhood. Thanks, Hollywood. It's monopoly money morality. There's your metaphor. Yeah, yeah. And if the and if it's and if the movie is crass, well, it's not as crass as other Hollywood movies. If it takes Scott's name in vain, well, not as much as other Hollywood movies. And they gave me all this fake monopoly money, <laughs> so definitely give it a pass on anything objectionable. Not not just a pass, but a recommendation. I mean, that's the thing. If people were just like, ah, you know, it's pretty stupid and it's morally bankrupt, but if you like. <laughs> aliens getting shot then i suppose it's harmless enough for a friday night with the guys sure. that would be one thing that would be one but thing. but the fact that there's actually people out there who are like yay finally like i hope this is what lore tv can be uh, it's just what a crock <laughs> what a crock uh, yep that was a better metaphor you're right yes i managed to tap the pizza metaphor <laughs> <laughs> Monopoly, money, morality. Look for that Sound of Sanity episode very soon. And another one of Nathan's sad attempts <laughs> to try and get one of these phrases. Let's to... make it memetic. <laughs> memetic, right? Isn't that memetic? Memetic, yeah. Is that, a, is that an actual adjective? I feel like it might be. I think it is. I not think it is. mimetic, like M-I-M-E-T. Not memorable. That's, no, no, no. Memetic is imitative. Memetic, memetic is memorable. Yes. Well, there's definitely a word like that. Memetic is the study Entering of into the culture. culture based on an analogy with Darwinian. Oh, dear. Wikipedia is so dumb. Uh, well, oh well, in any case, I have, oh well. I have seen memetics. Yes. The study of memes. There, we there go. you go. So, memetic. Yeah. Yes. But the eternal quest of Nathan <sighs> to make one of his podcasts be memetic. But, you know, that's a better quest than any quest that Chris Pratt's ever gone on. Hmm. <sighs> Is there anything else to say about this movie? Oh, you know what? This could get us in trouble. So, I'm going to name, let's see. I just feel like naming a couple movies that are about actual masculinity. They're not movies I can simply recommend, and I'm not. I'm just saying they're artistically well-made movies about actual ma- So, we did kind of recommend Warrior. Warrior, yeah. I think Warrior is the clear, like, we could almost recommend this to you, language warning Lots of F-bombs, probably lots of taking God's name in vain. And lots of violence. It's like in the ring violence. But if you don't yeah. like seeing humans crunch against other humans, then yeah. you won't enjoy yeah. it. It's so. If you like boxing movies or if you are if you at least tolerate that, you'll be fine. Yeah. Other movies that are about actually about masculinity that I don't recommend you watch are, but are still actual movies about, I don't know that they're about fatherhood, are, maybe Nathan will just cut this out of the podcast. Mm. Maybe it's useless. But they are the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Coward Robert Ford. That by is the coward a movie. Robert Coward Ford. Coward Robert Coward Ford. It's a actually pretty genius movie about men. It's beautiful, beautiful. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Yeah, it was it was amazing. For all I remember, it has like the, a long, gross bordello scene or something like that. But it, I, if it, so, I don't remember it. it. It doesn't. There's dialogue and innuendo, but there's not. As I recall, there's no actual. There's nothing like that. And then Into the Furnace, Christian Bale movie. Again, not really about fatherhood, but it is about masculinity and trying to take responsibility and kind of failing. And I don't know. I, I, it just made me think of movies with insight into human nature mm-hmm. 
into what it means to be a man, into how to fail at being a man, those movies have some actual insight and they have some craft. Right. And I don't recommend that you watch them because objectionable content, violence, cussing, Mm -hmm. dialogue. But I'm just saying that if you were to watch a movie that actually had craft and had insight and was dramatically potent or whatever, it would be those. Yes. And it would not be Tomorrow War with Chris Pratt. No. I'll go out on a limb for Warriors. Warriors is pretty great. I, you have to, if, if or Warrior, yeah. Yep. If 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 you your mileage may vary with bad language, and I respect that. I myself am okay with. I'm not okay with it ultimately, but I'm okay with it in yeah. these kinds of movies uh, for adults. I think Warriors or Warrior, sorry, is a pretty fantastic film. Yeah. Yep. Kind of amazing cut. Now that's a movie that actually it's amazing to me on some level that it got made like that. Because it is just about a dad and about men taking responsibility. Mm-hmm. That actually is what the tweets or whatever Nathan was reading at the top of this episode. That actually is what this is. What they were saying that Tomorrow War is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If I thought that Lore TV, people always ask me about Lore TV, you know, given the kinds of podcasts we do, people want to know, are we excited about Lore TV? No, because I read tweets like that one and I'm like, okay, so I'm going to get a bunch of Tomorrow Wars. Now, I might be being cynical, and I would love for Lore TV to surprise me, but I'm not holding my breath because I just don't see a lot of good things being done by a Christian. You know, The Daily Wire did their movie, and it was some, not that they're Christian exactly, but you know, conservatives, and it was some generic school shooting, shoot 'em up kind of diehard thriller that mm. looked thoroughly feminist and thoroughly garbage. Oh, that thing. Yeah. I forget what run, hide, fight. I think that was called <sighs> run, fight, hide, run, maybe? fight, hide. I don't know. Run, live, die, repeat. Yeah. Yeah. No, I read that that didn't we read something about the content of that movie? And it was like appalling, even for a normal action movie. I'd want to watch. It was yeah, like, yeah, it looked, it looked quite nudity quite and violent and perverse, whatever it was. It did not look like, yay, the conservatives are finally running the ship and riding the ship. <sighs> I mean, we've just got to have higher standards, I think. Yeah. And, and part of that involves not giving a pass to Monopoly money. And, and just, I, I think part of the reason we do it, I've, I've already said this in different ways on this podcast, but I think one of the reasons we do it is because we're so insecure. Like, we, we want some movies about fatherhood. We see fatherhood being attacked everywhere. Yeah. And so when somebody comes to us with some, you know, it's like, we're, 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 we're so poor, we're, so, we're starving, and so somebody comes up to us with monopoly money and we really want to believe that it's real money but yeah we do we're not gonna be able to buy anything with it monopoly money doesn't you know it's not real money it still needs to be real money (sighs) like it doesn't matter how much you want it to be or how insecure you feel about you know being poor to stick with my analogy Hmm. (sighs) so if you want there to be great christian art then one of the things that you can do is not say that the tomorrow war is is, great christian Christian art Yay. And I don't know how representative those tweets were of anybody in our circle. I, I know some friends of ours have watched The Tomorrow War and enjoyed it as schlock. And mm-hmm. it could be that many of our listeners were like, oh, yay. It could be that some of them, their reactions were described by those tweets. It could be that they just didn't care one way or another about The Tomorrow War. I don't know, actually. Sure. But we have maybe a- maybe they, maybe most people just watched it and it was like, oh, that was kind of a fun shoot 'em up alien shoot 'em up movie. Right. Fine. Which, great. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm all for movies where J.K. Simmons is beefed up and puts a pickaxe in an alien's eye. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Pretty fun. Yeah. Especially on Amazon Prime. Like, the fact that I didn't pay for a ticket to this helps, yeah. you know? Sure, it does. 
I think I'd probably be being a little harder on it if I'd had to pay a ticket, get uh, a babysitter, go out. <laughs> you know, yeah. this movie would. But you know, it, it, we can hold it to a lower standard for you know. Yeah. I'm willing to have low standards. Actually, <laughs> you know, I I, uh, I I I was willing to enjoy this on the level of an alien shoot 'em up, and then so far as it worked on that level, I did. But once it starts playing in the arena of actual morality it it better be willing to play it better be all right all right now is there anything else to say about the tomorrow war i don't think so i felt really bad for the actress that played the daughter because she did a great job the older version of the daughter she did do a great job she did a great job and the movie did her a a disservice i actually weirdly i felt bad for all the women in this movie so it's just like if you wrote them real roles instead of having them bark orders or mm-hmm. any, even the wife just has this very generic, like they super generic. They give her a couple funny, quote unquote, funny lines later on to just try and give her some personality. But yep. it's just like, uh, for all its faux feminism, this movie doesn't actually care about women enough to write them characters that are at all interesting. It doesn't care about anybody, but if it, but if insofar as it does care about anybody, it's Chris Pratt and J.K. Simmons. Like they get mm-hmm. all, they get all the good stuff actually. Mm-hmm. The daughter is really, as Ben said, just there to emote about her dad and not to have any kind of functional, like, what? Why is she here? What does she do? Why do people respect her? What? What's going on? What's the chain of command? Like, mm-hmm. yep. It's, it's just really boring. I mean, I would think even even feminists would want to hold a movie to a higher standard. Like, surely they're not happy. Like, who's happy with this movie? Or- <laughs> I don't know why Christians would be happy with it. And I really don't know why progressives would be happy with it either. It uh, tries to split the difference and water everything down. And in doing so, I would think pleases no one. Yeah. No, you know, have the courage of your convictions or, hey, Chris Pratt, have the courage of your lack of convictions, dude. Just be a, just be a crass Hollywood star. If that's, Uh I mean, that's what you are. So be it. Yeah. Don't lie to me. Well, lying to conservatives is profitable. Yes. Well, Monopoly money turns into cash in the hands of Hollywood executives. Who was it that said nobody ever went broke underestimating the stupidity of the American people or something like that? Uh, Sounds like H.L. Mencken or Mark Twain or something like that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know who said it, but sadly, it describes. It, hey, I'm sure there's many places in my life where I've accepted Monopoly money. I'm not trying to be too. I mean, I am trying to be judgy. I do think it's stupid that people supported this movie in any way, shape or form. But I'm, I'm sure there are places where I'm like, I so much want this to count as something moral that I'm just going to accept it. I'm, I'm, I'm sure, you know, I'm not going to be able to think of an example off the top of my head. <sighs> we all do it, but. We all do it. Let's try not to do it. Okay. So, Ben, how many pickaxes in an alien's eye out of seven do you give the tomorrow land, tomorrow oh, war, tomorrow guess, world. I don't know. It depends on how I'm trying to think of it. Tomorrow's Berg. I'll give it. Th- I'll give it three and a half. Three and a half. So it's exactly half. Yeah. Up to yeah. Yeah. That's what I'll do. A failing grade. Fifty percent is. It is. But I don't. I don't know. I don't know how to think of it. Maybe you know what? I'm just going to go and give it three. I'm taking away that extra half a pickaxe. I would give it three and a half as. An action movie because I'd say for about half the running time I was entertained mm-hmm. uh, by on it on a very rudimentary yeah, level. That's fair. That's fair. As a any kind of thoughtful examination of of anything really of an alien invasion, I would give it 
I don't know, one or two pickaxes. Yeah, that's at, fair. At most. Mine was more of a combined rating or something. Yeah, well, okay, so if, if I'm going to combine it, then I think I'll actually get your rating. You just did all the math without I, taking our listeners through it. Sure, I guess so, yeah. Because it's like four for action or it's like... I get, yeah, I get a three because it'd be like two for yeah. thoughtfulness and three and a half for, yeah, anyway. Yeah, something like that. So, something yeah. like that. So this movie gets three A pickaxes. <laughs> and I do hope we live to see the day when there's a giant poster of the Tomorrow War and it says three pickaxes, sanity at the movies. <laughs> Maybe we will. Knowing those slimy Hollywood producers, uh-huh. though, they'll they'll leave out the context and make it sound like three pickaxes was... A really good rating. Really from our good podcast. rating. Yeah, they will. Well, speaking of good rating, I like to rate people, specifically mm-hmm. patrons, and I, I find them all whatever the opposite of wanting is. Right. I find them all having. I guess. I guess that's right. Someone doesn't want, then someone has. Someone has. And specifically, our patron choice award of awesomeness recipient for today's episode, Seth. Now, Seth, describe Seth's awesomeness to us, Ben. Seth has the awesomeness of an alien invasion that wipes out entire continents. And uh, it's really hard to stop. You have to go to the source and stop it. Otherwise, it's it's too late. Right. It's that kind of explosive sudden power. Yep. Seth puts a pickaxe in the eye of stupidity. Yeah, to mix our metaphors a little. Yeah. To mix our tomorrow war drawn metaphors. Yes. Seth is both, both an alien invasion and the pickaxe. That stops them. That stops them. Yep. Seth is at war with himself. Huh. And that war is awesome. Wow. Suddenly this got really deep. Yes. This is r- fairly schlocky, actually. Yeah. Every time Seth thinks he's in a, he's living on a peaceful planet, there's an alien invasion in his soul. But he puts the pickaxe in the eye of, <laughs> <laughs> wow. of that invasion. It's a, Seth lives a very tense life in that case. Yeah. Yeah. He's like Chris Pratt. Never a dull moment. <laughs> never a dull, never a dull moment. It's like the anti-growth brat. Uh, uh, no, Seth's awesome. And yep, yep, as awesome as an alien invasion, as awesome as a pickaxe. And uh, that's all that needs to be said about the Tomorrow War. I will never think about it again. I dare say you will never think about it again. Try not to. And this podcast will just sit on our feed, and every once in a while, somebody will listen to it and be like, "Huh, I guess that was a thing that happened." <sighs> Glad they cl- cloned, th- cloned that, or co- cloned, uh, coined, sorry. Glad they coined that Monopoly money metaphor that's gone on to be such a popular meme that's swept across our nation and changed the way that people understand morality. Good. This is where it all happened. Right here. The Tomorrow War. Well, until next time. Oh, go to Patreon, sorry, go to patreon.com forward slash sanity at the movies. Hear all our reviews of Loki. Hear us read the script for the rejected Star Wars episode nine. Hear us review lots and lots of Clone Wars. Hear us. I think we're going to read the script for Frank Darabont's Indiana Jones, which would be pretty fun. Rejected Indiana Jones script. That's pretty right. famous. So just a lot of fun over at the Sanity at the Movies Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Sanity at the Movies. And until next time. I'm sorry for everything. <laughs> you should be Chris Pad. <laughs>